Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. Before we meet our guests tonight, I'd like to remind you about our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all sports betting and sports information needs. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get in on the action. Bet online where the game starts. Episode 76 of the podcast welcomes Redford Jones, a former kicker at Tulsa, who actually used his degree uh, in exercise and sports science to found Jones Performance. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. You know, like it's beautiful. I've never met you. Like a lot of my guests I've never met in person and I kind of get acquainted to through the show. And this is, as we mentioned in pre-recording, this is a big learning experience for me because what I try and do is draw people to the show that share a common interest in fourth down, but they have their niche, you know, they have their, their, their way that they fit in to complement I think the betterment, like the evolution and where we're going with this is incredible. Like this 23 and 24 class right now that we're going to talk about a little bit and talk to a little bit tonight. These are the best, in my opinion, collectively that we've ever seen. I mean, I I can recall a few like 2009 was kind of crazy wild how good they were 2014. But I think these two classes coming up might be, you know, pretty special. Like when we look back. That's awesome. Um, So I want to. I want to talk to you. Uh, I guess we'll start with this. I, I, you, you were a high school kicker. It started somewhere. Um, I'd like to talk about like how you were initiated to football, perhaps. And then more importantly, when you did transition to college, what was your ultimate decision in landing at Tulsa? You know, if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, the kicking journey always starts somewhere. It actually started with me back in middle school. Uh, of course, the the cliche of being a soccer player and then being the only soccer player on the football team. And they say, Hey, go try to kick some football. So ended up doing it and liking it. And, um, going through high school, I was multi-sport athlete, uh, did some soccer, played soccer in the off season, um, from football. And then, uh, obviously played football. And then, uh, my last year, actually my senior year, um, ran a little track, which was fun with hence the name, why I have this program called kickers or athletes. Um, I did, I did all three of those in high school Um, soccer. We won a couple um, state championships and a national championship, which I don't know how you win that because there wasn't a game, but somehow we did (laughs) Um, football. We were runners runner up in the state and then track, which that was kind of for fun um, because all my football buddies, they all went and ran track in the off season. Um, I always went and played soccer and then I was like, you know, I want to do something different my senior year. Um, so yeah, went and tried track and we ended up winning state in that and, um, had a lot of fun playing all those sports, but you know, college creeping around the corner. I was like, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to continue playing sports? And I found football. Um, not only did I enjoy it of, you know, the pressure and, um, in those games, in those game situations on kicking, but 
I felt like that was the easiest way to get a scholarship and get, you know, school to pay for, um, to be a kicker. So, uh, I think probably sophomore or junior year, I started taking it a lot more serious on like, okay, I, I definitely want to do this in college. So kind of what are the roadmaps to go on and figure out where to go? And that's kind of where I started working more of my network with the coaches I did know in high school. And that's what kind of got me to Tulsa is, um, you know, my high school coach was friends with the college coach there. Um, the other two schools I was interested in was San Diego state and Colorado state. Um, but Tulsa just seemed like a good fit for me when talking to those coaches and, you know, just feeling, um, that presence of being on campus and giving good feel of, you know, what, what academics are going to be like, what that culture is. Um, but yeah, I, I would say the coaches and the relationships are kind of what pushed me over to Tulsa. And I, I, that was some of the best four to five, four and a half years at Tulsa. I mean, I wouldn't change a thing. It was so fun. Just the, the friends you make, the, the success we had as a football team um, there and just the learning experiences were amazing. Yeah. I was just talking to you before the show. We've got a kid in Orlando that trains with us that is going to Pomona and he was a high academic kid. And I hadn't, I'd never heard of Pomona in all honesty, but when I learned that he picked that over a few schools that I did hear of, um, and for what reasons I was, I, I, I thought it was awesome. You know, this kid's going for the mm-hmm. ac- academic side and it, how it complemented the football. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that's important. I think some kids will sacrifice what mom and dad, like maybe push them towards cause it's a household name. They can watch on CBS every Saturday, but I think time, 100%. like timing's huge, right. As you know, mm-hmm. right. I mean, some years are much better than others in terms of, man, it seems like everyone needs a guy. And then there's years where it's like, wow, everyone's kind of taken care of. Um, mm-hmm. And we can't control that. Like most things in life, we can't, con- we can't control that at all. So I think what you made, it was a great point. Like you had options, but I think it sounds like you weighed a lot of things. And like, this was mm-hmm. the, the place to be based on a lot of decisions. And I just hope everyone like hears that too, especially these 23s. Cause they're all kind of trying to figure out right now, as you know, going into this last season, they're trying to get their, their school's down to maybe four or five places because they got to make a huge decision soon, right? It's a big life decision. And it's like what you said. I mean, it kind of comes down to a gut choice and kind of putting away or putting aside your emotions on like, man, it'd be really cool to be or more putting your ego aside, I guess, of like a big 10 school or, you know, whatever it is. You really got to go down to your gut and like feel it. And like, yeah, this feels right. And I think it's going to be a good choice because it is a big life choice, you know? Yeah, well, and it kind of gives me to another question I really want to ask you that leads into what I want to talk about with Jones' performance. But first, like we talked about these 23s and 24s are, in fact, the next two two groups that get really strongly evaluated for, for, for these scholarships or preferred walk-ons. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about the importance of the management of time right now because we can't go and kick off every day. In fact, we can't kick field goals every day or we're going to rip our groin off. Punting, we can sometimes get away with doing if we restrict it daily because it's more linear, as you know. Mm. But with, with that, with that being said, it's best if you don't. So, what should these guys do if they're not playing three or four sports like you did, which some of them don't, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. Some of them mm-hmm. might, might play soccer, and some some have hung up the soccer cleats sophomore year now, as early as maybe freshman year, and they're just playing football. What would you recommend to better them? Um, kicking, punting, snap specific stuff, maybe off-field activities that would complement the on-field like results, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
that to answer simply answer that question i feel like it's such a big trial and error thing because i feel like everybody is so different on like how how much volume they can handle versus someone else that um you know might not be able to handle that same amount of volume and you know reap the the benefits of performance or kind of increase your risk of injury um in the long haul so it kind of takes time on you know again trial and error of like how many balls is a safe and smart number of balls that I can hit today. Um, and then going off what you're talking about with kickoff, um, me personally, and something that I've been taught is you don't really, I mean, you don't need to go out every session and hit kickoffs. I mean, that kicking pattern is pretty similar. There are some differences, but there, it's pretty similar to your field goal. So it doesn't mean you need to hit, you know, the same amount of field goals that you do kickoff. Plus it's such a violent kick anyways, compared to field goal. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, and what I've recommended to uh, a lot of the guys that I've been training, um, is, you know, minimize it. And then in season, it's probably going to be less, but minimize it to a day or two a week, uh, of having some focus on, on kickoff. But again, that's another thing where you got to kind of find your rep count of what works for you. And what personally worked for me is on field goals in a session, I probably, I, I honestly wouldn't hit more than 30 balls, including my warmups, um, like including my one steps, because I really, and I would actually go out there with a clicker and count the reps. Cause I found not only physically, but mentally, if I held myself accountable to this many reps, I know I'm going to make these reps count. And if I can stack these quality reps all together, um, it's not only going to help my performance, but like, it's going to help me you know, the next session going into it of all those quality reps. Now I have a great confidence for that next session. Um, so I would, and that was kind of my magic number. I felt like it is hitting uh, that many field goals um, in a session and then kickoffs. I mean, I would once or twice a week, I would probably hit 10 to 15 max for the whole week, for the whole week. Yeah. Um, and that for me, that was kind of my magic number. And that, that was me more having a foundation later in my career of like my body already knows how to kick. So that's where I think, you know, as you, a coach might recommend something else because you're trying to get a muscle pattern um, really ingrained. Um, so maybe they do need extra reps or like what I think we were talking about um, in the pre-recording of uh, having, you know, these um, coaches, they always have different names for it, but, um, these dry runs yes. going through kickoff of just, yeah, yes. just feeling out your tempo and figuring out what it feels like on that approach and getting those reps, you know, those are like kind of more mental reps. Right. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a big trial and error thing. Cause I think everybody's just a little different. And, and one reason I think it is a little different is muscle fiber types. Um, I think if you're a lot quicker, twitchy kind of guy, you're probably going to be more on the lower count. Um, if you are kind of a slower um, twitch, like slower fiber type, I think maybe you can have more of an endurance to kick more balls. Um, so I think that kind of plays a role as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think it just depends on, on a guy, you know, it's, it's very interesting. You say that. And like, what, I, there's a lot to take away from that. But one thing I like is that you, you're very reluctant to answer anything definitively because I, I strongly believe that we are so unique in design, even though we have correlations like the anatomy is it. I coach off the anatomy. However, 
I respect stride length. You know, I respect the fast twitch loads. There, there's so many variables that we have to consider outside, mm-hmm. outside the fact that we have two arms and two legs. Right. And we have, mm-hmm. we have a technique to, to be mindful of, but I, that's why I like you because we're going a little bit further because what you're talking about, and I know some, some of the young guys listening that are 15 probably had a tough time staying with you because they're like, I just want to smash the football and I can go every day because yeah, you're 15 right now. Everyone used to feel like yeah. two, right. But my first injury, welcome to, wow, you're out for eight to 12 weeks. I tore my adductor in the second fall of my, of my career in college. I had never really been hurt before that. I had several like sprained angles from soccer, but I taped those up and I could play through. This was the first, mm-hmm. this was the first injury where I couldn't walk for the first few days. Yeah. You know, and like it, and what the opinion was of the ortho was I overused, it was exaggerated and exacerbated through overuse on a stressful and probably more than likely a kickoff setting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause nothing in the weight room I was doing back then really made me move in a 45 degree or, or, or laterally, you know, so it must've been, yeah, kicking, kicking way too freaking much. Right. And that's my biggest advice too, is guys will be like, well, you know, what, how can I reduce my risk of injury? Like what's the number? And really the number one thing is limit the amount of reps you hit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's as simple as it is just limit the amount of reps and then you're going to be a lot more safer in the long run, you know? So I want to ask you one more thing and we've kind of teased what it is you're an expert in, but I do want to ask you while it's on my mind. I tell my guys too, that if they are in uh, let's say let's say 15, 20 minutes past the point of when they should be out there, when fatigue has assuredly set in, I think you're inviting for negative um, movements that your body will then remember the next day or maybe two days later when you go back out. So I think what you're saying is it's very important to like set a standard, right? Set parameters, put them in place before the workout, begin with the end in mind. So you're not uh, how do you say it? Enticed to go because you're kicking so well. Let's get five more reps because you yeah. you don't want one more, one more, yes. one more. Yeah, so yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. That like be a yeah, pro, absolutely. be a pro, and mm-hmm. leave on the best rep and leave with confidence, right? Remember that. Rep. Yeah, and that's something I preach a lot: is let's work smarter and not harder. I mean, obviously, you need to have a good work ethic and know how to work hard. But at the end of the day, you're going to have more success in the long run if you're working smarter. And that's a good example of you know trying to stack as many quality sessions as many quality kicks you can because that's going to be the smarter approach rather than you know one more kick one more kick one more kick let's you know just keep going oh i didn't make it one more kick like if you even if you miss your last kick i mean that's all you got bud next session you know yeah that, could, that's just how i approached it you know that's a good point because i think that could be equally as effective of having if ending on your best one you would probably if you were a winner at least you would take that away and you would, it would piss you off. I hate to say it, but that should motivate you. That should I mean, because mm-hmm. guess what? If, if, if your last kick in a game, say you played away last Saturday, that was your last kick that missed. You can't control that. Exactly. How are you going to respond? So I almost think it's good conditioning, what you just said. Why don't you condition and end on a miss sometimes in the summer? That way you're kind of used to dealing with that feeling of like, dang it. I can't believe I left like that. You know, sure. um, I think it's important. So I want to get into it. So th- these aren't opinions. I think that, that you've done a lot of work to support these with facts. So Jones performance, it was established a few years back. And I think it's Carlsbad based on my research. It was in California um, where you, yeah. is that correct? Yeah. 
Yeah, so Carlsbad, but I'm going to be starting to work a little more in Norman, Oklahoma, actually. So I'll be in kind of the Midwest as well, kind of going back and forth. Um, Smart. Kind of worked out a little deal with uh, my old alma mater at Norman North, and uh, I'll be able to use their facilities. And then here in San Diego, I'll be at CTF. Yeah, so you're covering two-thirds of the country, and you know the East would, wouldn't have to go too far. It's sometimes hard to yeah. get from here to, to Cali, but if you're in the middle of the country, that, that's awesome. So yeah. what, what appealed to me most before we really did all this was the personalization. I mentioned it a little bit early in the discussion. That it's you, you treat each athlete um, as, a, as a case study, if you will, and I think that you want to cater to this athlete and make sure they're at their, their experience with you is personal. And I think that you, you give objective feedback. Like you, you don't just tell why it's good, but you tell what you're doing to take it away from why it couldn't be better and, and vice versa. Like, how do we really streamline this process? What are your deficiencies? What are the added variables that are excessive? These are the things that I do in kicking, but I love that you're finding a way to keep it kicking focus off the field. So it then strengthens what it is I would want to do on the field. Um, so could you, Tell me more about this Jones performance story. Yeah. So um, really how it started was, you know, I obviously went to Tulsa, studied uh, that field and then did some internships at uh, this guy, Clint Howard, who works with a lot of golfers. He's known kind of in the PGA world um, in Tulsa and interned with him. I learned a lot from him on a rotational standpoint and how, um, you know, this, what I use now is this, uh, um, proximal tension equals distal, um, velocity. So, um, I learned a lot of lessons from him of, of kind of in the golf world, but how I could apply it to kicking and a lot of programming. And, um, after Tulsa moved out to San Diego, started working out here as a, a free agent, but I was still doing training on the side, um, and started to build a clientele. Um, and then it got to the point where I was like, all right, I, I'm ready to kind of start getting my stuff going. Um, I started working with some kickers and kind of getting a program together. Um, so I started a little over a year ago now, Jones Performance, um, and then had this program called Kickers or Athletes and really wanted to start focusing on more position specific, um, not sports specific, but position specific. Um, programs that can benefit kickers and punters um, so they can train more optimally. Cause I, I saw that as a big missing link as I was going through college, going through free agency. Uh, you see guys kind of, I mean, not to say there's not good trainers out there. There's a lot of good trainers. I just saw kind of a missing link on access to something online. So that's why I wanted to kind of tackle that field of getting something legit out there online. Um, and have people have access to anywhere. And like I said, going through college, um, you know, they treat you like a lineman. You're going to do what the linemen do. Yes. Um, free agency. I saw you lose the structure, right? You, you don't, you're not on a team anymore. You're on your own. Um, so let's try to take out some of that guesswork of walking into a gym and like, okay, what do I do? You know, Oh, that machine looks good. Oh yeah. I've seen somebody do that before. It looks like it might help me on the field. So I wanted to also take the guesswork out and not only put, you know, smart programming together, but take the guesswork out of guys that don't have access to, you know, a team anymore. Um, so that's kind of how that started. And, and now I'm just kind of building off that and um, trying to grow it and teach guys 
more about their bodies, not only training, but also recovery as well and how important that is, which we can touch on um, later. But, um, but yeah, that was kind of my goal is to just kind of educate and give value to that kicking world of how to take care of your body and make you last. <laughs> I love that you had, cause you work with John Carney now, but I, I love that you also got a background with a, a, a high level golf um, pro developer, whatever you call a trainer, if you will. But I talk about all the time, like golf, draw uh, the, the best specialist in my opinion are the kids that came up and they pitched and they played golf and they played tennis and they, you know, whatever they did, right. It's on wrestling phenomenal. I've had some mm. phenomenal wrestlers who transitioned to great specialists because this is fast twitch. This is control. This is establishing the, your, your core. These are very technical skilled things, all of them. Right. Um, and I think that the more background information these kids and experience these kids have they're easier to transition to be an effective kicker right so with the golf thing you just replace the hands with the feet it's wild how many parallels we can draw if we just talk mm -hmm. we talk about hand action but instead mm -hmm. we talk about foot right um and mm -hmm. you know but and i'm looking at the rogue bar behind you i mean there's so many <laughs> weight distribution you know, like it, I hate seeing heel display specialists. I hate seeing kids kick punt on their heels. Like, give me a break. You're riding your break, right? When do you, yeah. when do you do that? Sure. I always ask kids, how, when did, would you clean like this? Or when would you squat like this? And, and they look at me like, wow, that's silly. And I, and I say, bring your background knowledge into this. If it doesn't make sense there, it won't make sense here. Right. It's, mm. And I think kids think that this kicking and punting is so foreign that you almost have to be unnatural to be good, but really we want to bring it back to, to, to staying within yourself, right. To maintain, mm -hmm, absolutely maintaining a positive shape. So the, even the track kids, I love the nose over toe. I mean, that's, that's stuff we can talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, let's talk about the uh, my last question. I don't want to keep you forever, but I do, I want to go, I was going to ask you about something we already talked about um, with the activities and the off field. So, I kind of want to go further. I had a kid today, actually. He's young. He's going to be a freshman in high school. The kid is special. He's going to be very good. I, I'm proud of him. But he's a puppy. He's never really been in the weight room, especially in a high school setting even. So one thing we talked about today at length was he's going through the summer workouts, trying to get acclimated, trying to meet this new team, trying to like make a name for himself, earn respect. And I talked about today building a rapport with the coach enough to say, coach, you know, I am in fact an outlier. I probably shouldn't do four sets of five max squats today. Instead, I should probably do three quarter squats or I should bring it down to maybe 60% and get quick with the weight because that's what I need as a specialist. I need to be fast with the weight and eventually, and it's going to be gradual and incremental, but I'm going to get stronger too. When in the end, I will be fast with the same weight you're slow with. And these things weren't taught to me till much later, but I think that that's your purpose. And I'd love for you now that you have a platform to tell these kids, how can we communicate with our coaches? Like, like, for example, don't squat and then go kick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Let's not have, let's not have a 12 PM kick session when we squatted heavy at nine, nine 30. I don't know. I mean, I'd like you to elaborate on that. That's yeah. my, my last question. So it, it's tough it's, it's tough to talk to strength coaches, especially at, you know, our position on, um, the way it's kind of looked at sometimes of, uh, they don't do much. So, cause I mean, I've, I've had kids, you know, that will approach their strength, strength, strength coach and 
kind of ask for, Hey, this, I don't think this is going to benefit me. Um, but you know, sometimes you deal with egos and they want you to do what the team does. And sometimes you just kind of have to go through it and do it and just find a way to win. Um, so it, it's hard to communicate with coaches when you don't want to be seen as the guy of like, Oh, you're just trying to get out of something. Right. Um, yeah. so it, it's, it's tough. It's a tough conversation to have. And I think it's really on how you approach it. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think there's a smart way of doing it on training. Um, and I know there's guys out there that don't really believe in the strength training, but there actually is a lot of benefit to it. Um, and I mean, kind of the whys of why we, we is a good idea to do strength training is, I mean, it's not going to directly apply and benefit your skill. Um, and I mean, there's really, I mean, I would, I would consider kicking and punting that that is a like direct skill. Right. Um, and it's not, it's, 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 I mean, no matter how hard you work, how many reps you do, how many sets you do, uh, it's, it's not going to change anything or directly, I should, I should say directly improve a broken kicker, I guess you could say. Um, so you really have to look at like two things is, um, your skill and then your robustness, which, um, is kind of saying being able to bend, bend, but not break. Um, so getting stronger kind of gives you the capacity to handle perfect or non-perfect situations, um, like, you know, slipping of a plant foot or adjusting to a bad hold or a bad snap. Um, those non-perfect situations where you have to adjust, that's kind of where, or fatigue, that's kind of where that strength allows you to shine through on, uh, your strength training that you've been doing kind of shine through that skill, um, Injury prevention. I mean, you you gotta you gotta talk about that. Yeah, it's absolutely. A thousand percent. All of the things you just said, I think, prevent injury because you, you're stabilizing your core better, you're recovering better in in a you know a, an unforeseen thing, maybe like a loose plant area. Absolutely. Right. You have a little more. You have a little more plant stability than you would if you didn't lift. You know. Right. I I, I can't I can't stress. I love what you said though. I think it's very important to say. You're not going to see 12 more yards in your kickoff if you work out for a year. That's not what you're doing here. I think what you're doing is you're making you're going to make more kicks because your core, your everything, there's a balance there, mm -hmm. right? There's not only a balance, but now there's like stability there. And with that comes, I can do it longer and I don't get hurt. My likelihood of getting hurt is significantly lessened. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And but even on top of that, like it, I mean, it is going to make you stronger. It's going to make you more powerful. And I would argue it doesn't directly develop your skill, but it allows you to perform your skill at a higher percentage, I think, potentially, um, at like what your relative best is, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, so, and, and again, under conditions that aren't the most favorable. Um, so what I'm kind of trying to get at is strength conditioning it has its place and it's a great supplement, but it shouldn't be the primary focus, right? So the skill should be the primary focus. The strength and conditioning on what you do off the field um, can, you know, yes, help you get a little more pow powerful, explosive, stronger, um, which obviously helps with longevity on how last you or how long you can last as an athlete, but it's not going to directly apply to make you um, better at your skill. You kind of have to look at it as a supplement that can help. Agreed. I mean, I, again, like we can't do it every day. So instead of playing video games to supplement that time, 
um do play video games of course like treat yourself at night after a good days of work if that's what you like however um instead of kicking daily and and mm. and risking injury start building a background and like what i could do around the weight room and i can find a billion things because when we isolate things on the football field we do smaller activities that build upon the bigger activity we can we can manage our time and we can we can work smart like you said and I think mm-hmm. that I think kids can begin working smart in the weight room if they just familiarize themselves with what the weight room offers, not just what's mm-hmm. presented to them by the high school strength coach. I hate to say that because I know there's some really good high school strength coaches. I'm not saying that that's a generally, you know, that was, that was a very broad statement, but I do, I do hear some horror stories that, yep. that everyone is accommodated to the same. There's really no structure or restructure and a catering to a position group right mm-hmm. uh and i think that sucks honestly that's yeah. unfortunate and and i've i've actually started working with a lot more coaches as well around the country and how i kind of approach that is like because i know i mean i'm sure they know what they're doing especially at the college level i mean you have to have some credibility to be in the position that you are it's just the time it takes to create a whole new yeah. program for three other guys on the team just doesn't seem that much worth it you know what i mean so it's sure. tough you know what i mean it's it's tough to so that's again another reason why i would like to help with that and i'm like hey here's a program that can help you um you know specifically train your kickers and punters without you having to put in the hours to write a whole new program for you know a couple other guys on the team yeah i mean so, i i agree i mean isn't it always about time like that's something that's invaluable it's like it's a priceless commodity. We all uh, wish we had more of it. And you can't argue that. I'm sure that's the case. It's not that they don't think we're important, but yeah, we, we have to do, put first things first, right? And we are the minority, unfortunately. We are typically, there may be two punters, maybe three, mm-hmm. mo- right? That's not very many people to personalize a workout routine for, let alone monitor with a, with a staff, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah, exactly. Um, my last question, cause you mentioned it earlier and I think it's very important. Like when I say recovery or you said it earlier in the show, could you leave with maybe a thought or two on not just high school kids, like the college guys listening, the parents listening, like what does recovery mean to you in terms of looking at a specialist, whether it is a punter kicker, that doesn't matter. What does that mean to you? And what is your hope that it changes for the better? So recovery, what that means to me is not a passive thing. So it's, and I've found this with not only research and just the science that backs it up, but personally with me and my clients, this is more of an an active thing that we should be doing. And there's three things to really focus on and they kind of just all evolve around each other, but training, um, your nutrition and your lifestyle. So they all kind of help each other out in that cycle. Your training, what I mean by that is having, you know, specific training protocols for, you know, your position, um, the intensity of the training, trying to balance that out through the week. If you're going balls to the wall every single day, your body's not going to be able to keep up with that in the long term. Um, so balancing out that nutrition, obviously having a clean and thought out healthy diet. Um, and then your lifestyle lifestyle is a big one because there's a lot of things that go into it, but what are you doing every day? Like, are you doing things that you like to do that feel good? Maybe it's going on a walk, just being outside. Um, maybe it's reading a book. 
Um, maybe it's meditation. Um, you know, are, are you constantly stressed? You know, are you, are you thinking about uh, finances or what grades you're getting or, you know, whatever it is like that all ties into your lifestyle. So some different um, and I, I kind of use this pyramid scheme of like least important to most important, but passive is at the very top. That should be kind of the last on the list on what to do. Uh, and what I mean by that of like passive is just like sitting on the couch doing nothing. Right. And then you have your active modalities, which is going to be, um, which I'd love if we have time uh, to go over, there's top five that I like, um, that, that I always incorporate within my training. Um, but you have your active modalities, you have your, um, training, like what we just talked about your nutrition. And then that lifestyle is, like I said, probably the most important because that kind of includes, you know, your daily life of what are you eating? What are you training? What are you doing throughout the day? Um, but yeah, the, the, the five modalities that I, I think are very beneficial and, and just work. Um, but stretching, everybody knows how to stretch and it's very simple. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. Um, but the whole goal is to, uh, basically just kind of move your body in these end ranges of motion, get, get to relax. We're not trying to stretch into pain and tense up because that's kind of the opposite of what we're trying to get at. Um, we have this, so the central nervous system, the sympathetic and then parasympathetic state, the sympathetic, um, is kind of your fight, fight or flight response. It's going to be your high heart rate, heart, high respiratory rate. Um, and again, it plays a role. Like we want that as we're training, we want that on the field because we're alert. We're, we know our surroundings, uh, we're tentative and, and we're ready, but in the recovery state, we want to try to be in that parasympathetic for as long as we can. Cause that's going to be that lower respiratory rate, the lower cardio or, uh, 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 cardiac rate. And the longer we're in, in that, the, the more optimal we're going to recover. So that's why I mentioned with stretching, you don't want to stretch into pain where you're just tensing up because now you're getting into that sympathetic nervous system. You want to try to, you know, breathe through these movements, unlock some ranges of motion, um, and relax. And then following up with, mo or not mobility, but, uh, uh, foam rolling or massage guns, um, kind of the same thing. You, you're trying to turn off that internal parking brake and get things to kind of relax. Cause that's the whole point is to, to chill out. You're not going to change any like tissue or, or it's just basically just to kind of relax. And then your mobility, which is kind of gets mistaken with stretching uh, mobility is going to be your multi-joint movement and certain, you know, sequences and more flowy based movement. And the benefits of that is going to be, um, you know, you kind of elevate your heart rate a little bit to just get the blood flowing, get it going. Um, but you're also kind of exploring your body and finding new ranges of motion actively, um, and not passively. Uh, you have your, um, steady state. This is, this one right here is something I have found. Um, that I've played with, with for myself, my clients that have made a big impact on having better and quicker recovery times um, from session to session or set to set. Um, but steady state, low impact um, cardiovascular, it's a long one. <laughs> uh, but the purpose of it is to elevate the heart rate, um, whether it be on a salt bike, uh, and you're looking for nothing above 70% of your max heart rate. So it, it should be, I mean, you're not full go. You should be able to have a conversation with somebody's kind of how I like to rate it, but you want to elevate the heart rate, 
but you're not, you know, going on sprints. It's going to be low impact. So assault bike going on a walk, um, things like that. And the purpose of it is to, cause your heart's a muscle, right? We got to yeah. train that, that muscle as well and condition it. And the higher our baseline for conditioning, the better we can recover. So the, really the goal is to try to get that baseline as high as we can, so we can recover a lot more quickly in between sessions. Um, and in between, you know, sets and reps or whatever we're doing. Uh, and then what was the rest of them? Uh, breathing, breathing, parasympathetic breathing. So the whole goal of that, again, is turn the parasympathetic on. And this is kind of like a meditative state of how well we can be in the present or how well we can come into the present moment and just relax and, and focus on our breathing. Um, Cause that really is a, I mean, really easy way to do anywhere. You're waiting in line somewhere or you're just at home sitting watching tv like whatever it is just just breathing and having a conscious breath kind of brings you in the now and really turns on that parasympathetic which i said before is the optimal state to be in to recover so um and it's good practice as well on the field of practicing your breath because it brings you in the moment you don't kick with your thoughts you kick with your body so being able to come into the moment and work on your breath and focus on that is a really big tool, um, not only for recovery, but on the field as well. I mean, there's so much there, but I, just that last thought, uh, I talk about all the time that some, some kids, not some kids, most kids subconsciously cut their air off when they're over the spot. They're about to take their, their back steps and the side steps. Um, and I try to get kids to, to come up with a pre-snap routine to where, Maybe there's a big exhale over the spot and then take in air in your back three and then exhale one before you sidestep and then inhale and then exhale one last time and go like try to regulate that heart rate. So you're bringing it to the forefront that like I am in fact present, right? I am. I'm, I'm calm here. Like I'm with this. Mm. I got this because I think that the subconscious thing that the, don't you think that the lack of air taken in is almost like that stress fight or flight subconscious thing that happens. And it's not intentional, but I think kids do hold their air. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we actually had a, I remember this kid in college, um, you know, Darren Bennett, he's, I, uh, I do. The charges for I do. Legend. So I was lucky. Yeah. I was lucky enough to have him as a coach my senior year at Tulsa. Um, but I'll never forget this practice, but he, uh, there was a kid that would always hold his breath before he kicked. And he's like, geez, mate, like, would you just breathe? You're turning blue. And then ever <laughs> since he started actually breathing, like he would crush the ball because he would just get so tense, you know, yeah. he'd hold his breath, get tense and everything's just stiff. But once he started breathing, it was just way more flowy and relaxed and he actually had control, but I'll never forget his accent. Just yelling at him. Like, just turn it blue in the face, man. I'm like, just breathe. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The I, accent, yeah. I was with him one time in Miami, and this was like maybe 2003 or four. What a what a character. It was like Louis Aguiar, all those all those guys from a different era. But yeah. um, I just, He's I can't thank, I can't thank you enough. And I think that to me that one thing I'll say, and please give, uh, a way that people can get a hold of you because that was a lot of information, especially at the end. And um, I think that the, the, there's a lot of people that would probably want to want to follow up with that and say, "Can I read this?" And unfortunately, we're not going to transcript this show. Um, this is one that I think should be transcript. You know that we could because they they probably want to Google 
uh, certain like uh, terms that you use just to kind of get some background knowledge. That, that was a lot. And I really am grateful for the information. Yeah. And I, I apologize for that because I get rambling in and I can talk about it forever. So I, I apologize for that. <laughs> I know I, I selfishly am kind of asking for myself is like, I, I think when I go to Jones performance, I'll, I'll make sure if I don't get my answers, I'll just contact you directly. But th- these are things that I want to get better with. This is something I want to go back to school for, but if, I think that this is the difference. This is a catalyst, I think, between good and great. You know, I think that the kids that are great are the kids that are really good at kicking that do these things, that that apply and, and just get that whatever it is to get that competitive edge. And why not take as much of this in as possible um, that's proven to help me? So um, I want you to, uh, like I just asked, if you could just um, maybe share a few ways the audience could get a hold of you if they want to. Yeah, really the best way right now is just through my Instagram account at Jones underscore performance. Um, I always respond to any DMs, any questions I have. Um, and even if you want to schedule a phone call, I schedule a lot of phone call with kids and parents and coaches. Um, just send me a DM on Instagram. We can schedule a call and kind of have more in-depth conversations if you like. But Instagram right now is really the best way to reach out. Awesome, man. I really, it means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to all of us at uh, Fourth Down Focus that Redford Jones was able to share information that can and will help us both on and off the field. Please give us a five-star rating, a review, subscribe to the show and share with a friend. If you have questions, suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you just have feedback for me, you can reach me in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com. And on social media, you can find me at at fourth down you that's for t-h-d-o-w-n-u thanks again for joining us at fourth down focus presented by bet online we'll see you next week with a new guest and i hope this summer is treating each of you well remember in all things give thanks thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.